Hi, this is Josh, and welcome to the Baseball Week, a weekly look around Major League Baseball. We'll be back with that regular weekly look around Major League Baseball in a few days. Today, though, we're going to do something a little bit different, our first baseball conversation, where I speak with a friend of the show about some topic related to baseball. This week, it is baseball on the big screen, talking with friend of the show, also a friend of mine, Kevin, about his favorite baseball film. It was a lot of fun doing this interview. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. And any questions or comments you have, please feel free to email us at thebaseballweek at gmail.com. That's thebaseballweek at gmail.com. So without further ado, here is the interview. All right, thanks so much for joining us today, Kevin. Uh, before we get started about your favorite baseball movie, can you just tell us something, some interesting fun fact about yourself? Absolutely, Josh. Thanks so much for having me. Um, an interesting fact about me is that I was lucky enough to meet Josh while doing improv comedy in Philadelphia, and so I've gotten to see Josh's crazy, wacky side, which I think comes across on the podcast, but I've seen it uh, all along. And Josh, I just wanted to thank you so much for letting me be a guest on this podcast. Um, I wanted to give you a quick thing. Uh, Josh is seeing it and laughing a little bit because I brought him for his baseball podcast, Peanuts and Cracker Jack. So thank you very much, Josh, for having me. Very fitting gift. Thank you very much, Kevin. A very generous man, and as Kevin said, that's a fun fact about me as well. I met <laughs> Kevin doing improv. What a coincidence. <laughs> so thanks so much for being here, Kevin. Excited for the interview. And now, Kevin, if you could tell us a little bit about what your favorite baseball movie is and why, I'd be happy to hear it. Absolutely. I am a big, big fan of baseball movies. Um, classics, Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, basically every, any Kevin Costner baseball movie. Um, but the one that I picked for my favorite film is the, I consider classic, major league film about the Cleveland Indian players assembled as a ragtag group of underdogs who surprise everyone and have a winning season. Great choice, great choice. Have you seen it, Josh? I have. I saw it a long time ago, so the details are a little sketchy. I know Charlie Sheen is Wild Thing. Yes! So that's something I remember. <laughs> One of those, rag, like you said, ragtag bunch of players who overcome all the obstacles. It's a great, it's a great storyline. From what I remember, it's a very funny, very good movie. Well, don't worry. I'm going to refresh your memory tonight. Good, good, good. So, please refresh away. Okay, so the essential plot is that the owner of the Cleveland Indians baseball team dies and leaves the team to his wife, who does not like Cleveland, does not like the team itself, and would much rather move the team to a warmer climate uh, in Miami. The only way she would be able to do so would be by having the attendance for the games drop so low that an escape clause would be activated within their contract with the city of Cleveland. So her plan to do so is to get terrible, terrible players who will then she hopes, lose many games, causing people not to come to the games, causing attendance to drop low enough that she can move to Miami. It's a very intriguing storyline. Very good. I forgot the details. And ironically, a couple of years later, Cleveland and the new Miami Florida Marlins team played in the World Series, too. Yes, yes, they did. Life imitating art right there. <laughs> that is not why I picked it, but it was a happy coincidence. It is. Fortunately for them, the Marlins won that. Spoiler alert, but that was real life, so that's okay. Not spoiling the movie. That is fair. I will not say about uh, how a fictional team at that point would have done in the major league franchise. That's true. It's hard to judge. <laughs> and what are the, some of the reasons that this particular movie stands out to you so much, Kevin? 
Uh, well, why should I mention I have a very uh, sort of personal connection to the film? My boss and longtime friend is my age and was a child when the film came out. And he actually wrote a letter to the star of the film, Tom Berenger, telling him how much he enjoyed the film itself and Tom Berenger's performance. And Tom Berenger actually wrote back to my friend and invited him and his mom to come out to see the shooting of Major League Two, wow. which he did, and has like all the uh, actors' autographs in uniforms and several signed pictures. So mm -hmm. I thought that was a nice little side thing that, uh, if anybody wants to know, Tom Berenger is actually a nice guy in real life. Good to know. Good to know. That's a cool story. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, and the reason, part of the reasons I like the film so much is that, besides, as we already mentioned, it is a bunch of, you know, the classic ragtag team, the underdogs, people that it's very difficult not to root for. Um, what I like about this film specifically is that a lot of films, I feel like you get a situation where they're considered to be a completely no-talented people, and then all of a sudden, through circumstances, they're incredibly good and the best in their sport. Um, one of the things I'm thinking of is the movie Rookie of the Year, mm, yes. which a, if you, uh, everybody's Classic. our age group remembers, a kid breaks his arm and is suddenly able to be able to throw 90 miles per hour despite being 12 years old, and pitches for a uh, Major League Baseball team, the Cubs, I believe. The Cubs, yes. Oh, good, Josh confirmed. Very good. Um, and that's not really the case in this film, because they're not picking literally random people to be on this Major League team to do bad, because if the owner, the villain of the movie did that, it would be very obvious you can't just pick a random person. So she picks people who um, are people who mostly who are washed-up players, and I think something really fascinating about that, people who have talent and at some point in their lives were within the top 0.1% of people playing this game in the world. And they're still incredibly, incredibly good compared to the rest of the world, but the players, including Tom Berenger, who is basically on his last legs and has terrible knees at this point from being a catcher for years, it's very clear their time in the spotlight is fading. And I just find that more interesting, and I think more relatable to a lot of people than suddenly, suddenly being incredibly, incredibly good at a sport. And yeah, you can put yourself in their place a little bit. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's also an interesting fact that some of the players are not washed up talent people, but they're people who um, have an incredible amount of talent, but just aren't focused. Um, the character of Charlie Sheen, uh, Mitch Wild Thing Williams, is, um, oh no, I'm sorry, I, I made a mistake there, I, I said Mitch Williams, that is the actual player, uh, NFL, pl um, actual Major League Baseball player who pitched for the Philadelphia Phillies, who took on the Wild Thing moniker after the film. Very true, and fun fact, I'm glad you bring that up, fun oh. fact, this is, this is being recorded, this podcast, on July 1st, which is the 25th anniversary of Mitch Williams hitting... A, getting a walk-off hit for the Philadelphia Phillies as a relief pitcher getting a walk-off hit is weird enough in the latest ever ending to a major league game. Oh, that is very cool. It's about 4.40 a.m. in the morning. Wow. I, I'm not impressed not just that 25 years ago thing is true, but that you knew it off the top of your head. I read it earlier today. You had no idea I was going to bring up Mitch Williams. <laughs> just in case. You never know. Um, but uh, Charlie Sheen's character um, is, is a pitcher... Uh, and who can throw 90 mile per hour fastballs, but doesn't have control over it. So throws lots of balls and lots of, you know, uh, accidental hitting of batters. And there's another uh, player who can hit the ball 400, 450 yards, um, but has no control. And so he, a lot of times, if it's not the exact pitch he needs, he just strikes out. 
And so I like that idea that it's not just about talent. Um, you really have to harness it. You do need some talent, obviously, to play in major leagues, but a lot of it is the focus and the dedication and the need to really work at it, to, to craft your talent. And I feel like some uh, sports movies don't really do that either. The moment you become talented, well, you, you can compete with uh, any uh, player. Yeah, right, that's a lot of the journey right there. Rookie of the Year, not to pick on it. it is a, I like that movie a lot, but the, it's just magical that he becomes so good. The whole working up to that point isn't there as much at that part of the movie. So you're right, this adds a little more realism, lets you kind of have a little more empathy for the characters and the struggle they have to go through to get to that point. Yes, yes, it's much of a struggle. And uh, no, something else that I think is different from most sports movies. Well, actually, I'm going to ask Josh to uh, do something to see if it proves my point. So you might, just, you might disprove my point right here. All right. Josh, can you please name three random sports movies for me? Three random sports movies. Any three. Mighty Ducks. Okay. Hoosiers. Okay. The Natural. Okay. Those are great examples of uh, great films, and I'm glad you, I think you proved my point. Good. For, uh, <laughs> not pre-planned. <laughs> this is not, uh, well, this is pre-recorded, but still. Um, for all three of those films, the vast majority of the cast, and especially the actual athletes, know each other going into the movie. They have these preformed relationships, mm -hmm. and I think most movies in general, it's better for that. But what I really like about this film is that almost none of the players know each other before the film starts, and so they really forge these connections in a very believable, but also very fun period of time. It, they're all in the same situation in some, uh, in some way, being thrown into this, and it's fun to see that sort of, I don't know, like it forced upon people. Yeah. See, seeing the chemistry develop in real time. Yes, yes, starting from absolute zero right. to seemingly, from a film, uh, very good-lasting relationships. Right. Um, this is a hockey example, but in the NHL this past season, the Las Vegas Golden Knights were an expansion team. All players from different places, either rejected from their team or acquired from another team, and they go on and they fuse together, they make the Stanley Cup Finals. And one reason that was such an amazing story is that it was this brand-new group of players who had to forge an identity together at the same time and it does really add something they don't see in a lot of other situations when it's just one or, new, one or two new players kind of remaking a team in their image or affecting a team in a certain way. And you have to wonder if they got drew their inspiration from the movie Major League. I'm going to assume they did. <laughs> what else about the movie really stands out to you, Kevin? Uh, well, I, I did rewatch the film in preparation for this interview, um, and it is interesting. Yes, absolutely. I, I didn't want to come off looking like uh, an amateur and embarrass you on your podcast. Can't embarrass me. <laughs> um, it, it is a film from the '80s, and there are things watching back now that are problematic. Uh, th there are three female characters in the film, and they're all very, very underdeveloped. Mm. And uh, the, the, the woman who is the villain, the owner of the team, is her entire personality is just money. Uh, the other two women in the film um, exist entirely just uh, to be either romantic interests or a, uh, a sex symbol. Uh, Rene Russo actually plays Tom Berenger's love interest in the film. Mm -hmm. And it's a little scary to see, watching now, he is following her without her knowledge, mm. and at one point even shows up at her place of work, huh. um, un un unprompted, uh, to hit on her, and, and will not leave until she agrees to give him a chance. So it, it is uh, certainly not a film without flaws, um, but one of the things that I really, really like about it 
is that it has something that I consider pretty rare uh, for the climax of the film. And spoilers to people who haven't seen a movie that is nearly 30 years old. If you haven't seen it, pause the podcast, go watch it, come back. All right, Kevin? We will wait. We'll wait. Um, it doesn't have what sometimes happens in sports movies where it's the, the big shot, the, the touchdown, the goal. Um, the movie climaxes with the mentor figure, Tom Berenger, who, as you know, as will know in the hero's journey, the mentor figure has to die or collapse in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he doesn't. He actually um, pretends that he's going to hit a home run to win the, the title game. But actually, Bunce, uh, which is not super climactic generally, but it's nice that he's doing the exact thing he needs to do for his team, not as an individual, but for his team, to move forward. And it does a slow motion... Um, very intense, I wouldn't say montage, but just a, a scene, him trying to beat out one last bunt to make to base mm. so that the other runner in the situation can get the winning run. And so it was just, it's very interesting to see a non-typical climax and celebration. So poignance to that, that in a lot of ways makes it better, makes it much more real. Yeah, exactly. Most of us aren't going to hit a game-winning home run, but we can do something in our lives that's like, oh, that was a nice move, that was a smart move at the time, and advance my goals and my family or my team, my friends' goals forward. That's true. That's a great point. It is. It's one of the themes we're seeing is this is, there's a lot of realness in this movie that maybe goes under the radar. At first, we're doing a really good job of bringing that out and showing that. Oh, thank you. I, I will clarify, this is only holds true for Major League, the original film. Yes. The, the, the sequels uh, do not hold up over time. <laughs> the sequels are a little, little skeptical, some of those. <laughs> Sequels that come along later. Occasionally you get to go to Money Ducks 2. I like Money Ducks 3. I like, but in general, um, sports movie sequels, because it's played out the first time, it's so hard to think of something new. It is. It's very true, especially when you, it's, a, it's a sports format. You're, what's happening is very much locked in for the most part. Yeah, very true. That's a great point about just the, the, the pointed realness of a movie that on its surface is it's a fun comedy, but there's some deep stuff in there. I think so. There really is. And, and all the, the actual, um, the athletes, the baseball players, they all have a different story. And it doesn't seem feel cliche. And I feel like uh, there are at least five or six characters who have very different stories and what it means to them to be on this team for this year. Mm -hmm. For Tom Berenger's character, it's a chance for one last moment in the sun. Charlie Sheen's character actually starts the movie off uh, in prison, and this is a chance for him to turn his whole life around. Uh, other players, it's a chance to make a little bit more money to lead to their retirement. They all have different reasons, and that's good. It doesn't feel like it's a cookie cutter. Right. And it's a team sport, so let's make it a team movie. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great. Kevin, that's a great description. Uh, based on that, what do you think makes a great baseball movie or a great sports movie? If there are certain factors that stand out to you, like this has got to be in a great sports movie, what would you say? Okay, I mean, obviously, uh, almost all sports movies end with the climactic, you know, uh, match, whether it's boxing like Rocky or Mighty Ducks the hockey game. So you expect it to go into that. Something about that last match has to make you, as the audience, really care about it. The, the idea that a fictional team would win or do better. Um, something about the characters themselves have to draw you into their lives. And A, make it understand, or I guess make it believable to you that what's happening is more than a sports match. And two, make you identify and root for the character enough that you really, really want them to succeed in this 
final sports event. Right, and I think that's a great point. I think you've also kind of isolated what makes a great movie, period, is we got to care about the character, care about the main character, what their journey is, what journey they're going through. Yes, you have to know what their goals are, and assuming you're rooting for the protagonist, you really want to care that those goals get accomplished. Right, absolutely, absolutely. All great points, Kevin. Great description. Uh, if you're listening to this, go watch Major League, enjoy it, and appreciate the realness and the poignancy in the movie that maybe at first glance doesn't seem so poignant, but there's a, like a lot of great sports movies. There's a lot of poignancy, a lot of thoughtfulness, a lot of lessons we can learn from them. Thanks so much for being here today, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. And that was our first baseball conversation. Hope you enjoyed one small correction to that interview. I was right that the interview was on the 25th anniversary of the latest ever end to a major league game at 4.41 a.m. I was wrong, however, about the date. We recorded that interview on July 2nd, which was the 25th anniversary. So I was right about an obscure baseball stat, but wrong about what the day's date was. Not sure what that says, but anyway, I hope you enjoyed the episode. And you're free to contact us at thebaseballweek at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and have a wonderful week. Take care.